This is the Hook Better Leads podcast, and today we're talking with Tanner Mullen of Drip Jobs and the founder of Premium Painting. How you doing, Tanner? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. And we're talking about going from 100K to 1 million, uh, particularly as a painting contractor, but I think that there will be sales and process lessons um, for a lot of small contractors uh, as they're kind of reaching that next level here. Um, Tanner, how has your last year been real quick? It's been a crazy one for a lot of people. Yeah, I didn't expect it as many of us didn't. Um, I would say, you know, financially, again, you know, we spoke about this, but it was really interesting in the painting business, man. I think a lot of people looked around at their house as they were sitting in it and realized that they would rather risk uh, getting COVID uh, to, you know, outside of uh, having the house painted. So we've gotten a lot of people that really just foregone any fear or anything and just, you know, wanted, wanted painting to be done, which was really cool. Um, so, but we do a lot of exterior painting as well. So we, you know, we weren't always inside. I definitely noticed there was a little bit of a hit on interior painting. Um, that's just natural, I think, but. What yeah, part of the country are you in? Uh, we're in Florida. Florida. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you kind of mentioned, you know, the couple of things in particular that we're thinking about talking about is like that sales marketing connection. Where do leads get dropped? How are they, um, how could you tighten that up so that you have a good experience for your, the homeowners that are coming to you? Um, we also are going to talk a little bit about how to scale the unscalable, you know, a lot of small businesses. Yeah. And I, you know, I have my friend that's in a painting contracting businesses. Um, he has things he thinks he does very well and it's hard for him to hand off to his other couple right. employees that he's talking to. So we're going to talk about scaling that stuff. Um, and we'll talk about a, a few other things, like what are these level levers that you'd push to right. get from like, let's say even just 200,000 up to 500,000 or 500,000 to 1 million. What have you seen you, you've pushed on? But what do you think painting contractors when they're at that 100, 200, 300 level um, are drop? Like when you see issues with people's business um, that are at that lower level, at, you know, maybe it's just time needs to pass. Right. But what have you seen them drop as far as like from that marketing to sales connection as, as far as like follow up on, um, scheduling or phone calls and that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's a really vast majority of different types of painting businesses and really, you know, it, it all comes down to, you know, which direction the leader's heading in, you know, what, what the strengths of the business owner truly is. I think a majority of painting contractors in years past are, um, you know, or business owners, quote unquote, um, are what we call technicians. They're people that actually paint the jobs themselves. Um, they, you know, if you ask them if, you know, why they're doing it, usually the answer you'll get is that they can't find good help. Um, you'll hear that all over the place. So by default, they, the way they make their money is by dipping the brush in, into the paint and applying it on the house. And, you know, they're playing to their strength. And for me, um, I would say that, you know, my strength, you know, is, is sales and marketing. And I always say this is that, you know, sales and marketing are the only ways to actually grow a business. And, and what we were talking about, what we call a technician, um, you know, production doesn't grow a business. So by default, he's kind of just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck in most cases and, um, you know, really not really giving him an, opportun an opportunity to grow. So usually those types of contractors stay, stay stagnant. Um, you know, in that regard. So you're saying you gotta, you gotta do your best to get out of some of that so you can work on the sales and marketing side of the business if you're really going to grow it. 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, in production, you know, you need to have somebody there producing the job. And when we think about sales and marketing, we think, oh, we'll just go do estimates, you know, but that Mm -hmm. requires a lot of time, just Mm -hmm. the same amount of time, if not more than producing the jobs do. So, you know, you got to have scheduling, you got to have follow-ups, you have to have sales strategy, sales processes, you know, customer service, like all these things take so much time. And when there's only one or two people, maybe even three people in an operation, you know, the, the, you know, the time runs thin and, uh, and, and unfortunately the sales and marketing aspect of the business, which is the actual growth part of the business gets put on the back burner. And by default, all they're really focusing on is production. So, uh, it's a, it's a perpetuating cycle of, you know, uh, I would say declining growth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, something I've seen with different kinds of contractors tell me this, if this is an issue in painting is just um, where people don't actually, they've spent a lot of, maybe they've spent a good amount of effort. You know, you have a good spurt of effort around marketing and you start to get some leads, whether it's from social media or like, um, or you've ranked a little bit on Google or whatever it happens to be, you get some leads but they don't get as much love. You know, you're kind of, um, you're letting stuff fall through the cracks because your production is hard. Yeah. Taking up a lot of time. It is, it is. And I think you and I, I mean, one thing that I know, you know, we spoke about that you do, I mean, you're, you're the guy and hook agency, you're hooking, hooking the fish, right? You're trying to get people um, into the, into the proverbial pipeline for these contractors, right? Yeah. My focus is what the contractors do once they actually get, the the leads because to me that was a big pitfall in the beginning um you know i don't you know i know we've heard of home advisor and all these paid lead services and all this stuff which you know we try to stray guys away from uh but in some cases they need to use them because they don't have a you know a service like yours to get them you know quality you know organic leads so the whole purpose of marketing in my personal opinion um you know is to convert somebody from somebody who maybe doesn't have interest or is interested to somebody that becomes a buyer. And you have to understand that in this industry, the, the people that we're trying to sell to in most cases get more than two bids, right? So how do you separate yourself from the other two people? And for me, I found that the game changing factor in converting a lead to um, a very high quality opportunity that narrows you down to the next person is your communication. So that starts from the initial request, right? So when somebody, or when you hand off that lead to a contractor, or when I receive a lead, I want to be the first one to call. I want to be the first one to email. I want to be the first one to text, right? So I want to hit them anywhere I possibly can and capitalize on the emotion, right? So whenever someone thinks about getting a paint job, maybe they're, wife has been nagging them for like, I don't know, three years, and they finally get on it. And it was emotional, they maybe had a disagreement about it or whatever. And hopefully that's not always the case. But I want to capitalize on the opportunity that they finally did it right. And I want to make it an exciting, easy transition into hiring us. So by being the first to reach out to get that get them on the schedule, um, that gives us a leg up. They're like, wow, you know, that company was on it. And that gives them an indication of what they can expect with us. And it just further increases our chance of getting a sale. So it really just starts with that, that first interaction. That's what I'm passionate about is that first interaction. Absolutely. That's huge. And, um, you know, 
Another piece uh, to this puzzle is um, you, you mentioned basically you need to spend more time on sales and marketing, right? You need to get into the, you know, you need to work on your business, not in your business. On your business, not in your business, right? Um, Age-old e-myth thing. I think if you haven't checked out e-myth, revisited, it's a great book about kind of the the myth of entrepreneurship. Everyone thinks that they're going to be this hero that just comes out of the gate and carries everything on their back. And when when you get down to it, that only carries you so far. I will say, like lately, just, you know, with our business, um, I've had to, like, I've had to realize that hustle hustle culture and really pushing, pushing, pushing on my own time all the time has, it's not as effective as it once was when it was just me and like three other people. So like right. now it's 15 people. I have to figure out how to motivate people and be inspiring and like, you know, right. be use, you know, useful to them so that they're as productive as possible, not just me spending as much time on my work as Absolutely. I possibly can. So it's a different world, but um, we don't always realize that when we're first starting out, we think we're going to carry the world on our shoulders as a small business owner. And we have to find ways to get out of production in certain situations, as you mentioned, but there's, there's details, right? There's, if we're a craftsman, I think of a lot of contractors in general, lots of tradespeople were crap. Like they're not where I'm not, a, I'm not an actual tradesperson, but um, they're tradespeople, they're, they're craftsmen and they're, focused on um, really good work. And that's one of those beautiful things where, where they've spent a lot of time. In some cases, you've got 20 year craftsmen, people that have spent 20 years on doing excellent work and they've got details down to a science and they have a hard time passing those details off. So in your experience, um, have, you, have you seen anything work for, let's talk about painting contractors in particular. I think the principles will apply to other kinds of tradespeople, but to pass off those detail-oriented things, to to processize them so that people can get out of those things, and yeah, um, yeah. have you seen anything work? Yeah, for that's good. So stuff? I mean, you know, it would be a dream of mine to convert those 20 year, twenty-year veterans to to actually run and operate a scalable business. Um, you know, because you know, majority of those guys are getting old, and majority of them haven't saved, and they don't have a retirement plan set up out of their own business, and they don't have these things in place, and it's scary for them because you know their their income producing asset is is declining, which is their body, um, and and that to me is you know it's a sad thing. I think I am even old, if you're thirty five, your income asset. Per, you know, yeah, your body kind yeah, of starts so. you get that crank in your back when you're thirty five. You yeah, know, like. Man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a group of a lot of younger entrepreneurs. My dad was a, a painting business owner. Um, so I saw it firsthand of what happens when your body deteriorates and it's hard to get out of bed in the morning and go and, and paint houses and do these crazy things, get on 40 foot ladders. So the idea would be really to just change the idea of what business really is. And essentially uh, what I've learned is that businesses, you know, you as the leader who starts a business, your job is to create jobs for people, right? If you have that as your forefront and your focus, ultimately you get the reward of winning your time, right? So it's a pretty good trade-off. So we trade, you know, the risk that we take on for starting a business to provide jobs for people. And ultimately the reward is that we let them do the jobs and we make the money because we took the risk. So that frees us completely from the business, right? And I think that to get to your point about the minute details that some of these older veterans may have, and they may think, you know, I can't let someone do this. 
Well, I think that you're what I call a gatekeeper. You allow the type of jobs that you take on, you know, and I strategically designed my business to not allow any expert level tasks to be taken. We do not do drywall repair. We do not do texturing. I will not take on, you know, popcorn ceiling removal. Mm. I will not take on anything outside of what our natural easy scope is, which is applying paint to ceilings, walls, trim, and doors. And Mm. I can plug in anyone to do it. You know, the entry level positions in my company can be trained, which opens up the labor pool for me tremendously. And I only need two project managers that have expert level skill, in my opinion, which is the ability to spray. So I've designed my business to be expert proof, quote unquote, which would only in, in, in kind of to go back, if I did not do that, and I was the only one that held the expert level skill, then I would be putting myself in a position to be at the mercy of the people that work for me, which means that I would have to go to work if they were unable to do the job, if they didn't show up. Mm. And my, I like to say that I'm playing a game of keep away. And by that, I mean, I'm trying to keep myself away from production. The more time that I spend on marketing and sales, the greater success my business has. Mm. And it's, it's better because I don't micromanage my guys. I'm hardly ever on the job sites. We have checklists in place. I have a supervisor that checks in to make sure customers are happy and they feel this sense of autonomy, which creates the ability to be creative and go above and beyond and not feel like, you know, they're under the pressure of the boss being there, which is a, you know, which is definitely a thing. So that's how we've garnished um, some of the success that we've had. Hey, I love those. Those are so, such great tips here, I think. Um, are there any other other levers that you think have really driven? I think that you've shared some for sure. If there's any other levers you've got from going from like, let's say that 200K mark to the 1 million mark, um, as far as like, how, how can you push this uh, business, this type of business to the next level? What gets you really, what really, what things did you find that were like aha moments that really yeah. push your uh, business yeah. to the next level? Good, good question. It, well, it was proportionality, right? So for me, there was, you know, I can, I can work for anyone. I can work for you in your business setting. I can work for you in your home setting. Uh, you know, in other words, I could paint your office or I could paint your house. Not only can I paint the inside of your house, I can paint the outside of your house. So the, the idea that I, I've recognized is that the market for my services is massive, right? And what I've recognized also is that there's X amount of people that want painting work done every single day. There's only 365 days in a year. And if my market is massive, that means that at least one person a day is going to want their house painted, right? It's only 365 people. That's only 365 jobs. There's 365 houses in my neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. So with that simplistic ideal, what I've recognized is that people just got to be able to find me when they want that need, right? So we utilize Google. That's a big thing for you. We make sure that when somebody wants our services, we can be found. And do you when do I paid have, ads? No. You're pushing on Google organic. Yeah, we have the highest reviews in our area. That was a big focus of mine. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff with Facebook. You know, we have a good local presence, but the feedback loop of how long we've been in business now, which has been four years, now we're starting to see a good sh- a swing of word of mouth, repeat customers after four mm. years who have moved, you know, so our pipeline is kind of, you know, s- you know, vast in terms of who's coming in, but we're talking about that incubator stage, right? That shift yeah. you're asking about. And for me, it was just being present when people wanted 
uh, one in that worked on. So give you a quick example. If your company is, let's say if we're talking about a highway, right? We're talking about, I don't know, I-95 and you have a building and your company's right next to the highway, naturally law of averages, people are going to stop in your shop because it's right next to the highway. But yeah. if your business yeah. is outside of the the, you know, the, you know, inside of a forest, you know, three miles off course and no one can find it. You may have the best, whatever it is that you offer. You'd be the best painting company in the world, but no one knows where you are. No one knows how to find you when they need you. You're not going to get, you're not going to get traffic. And that's essentially mm -hmm. what has been the shift for me was when people need my services, they call. Um, and I would say that, you know, by narrowing down my lead generation, you know, services to the exact type of niches that I accept, um, that was the big shift. And so I started with one crew and kind of just got the system down. I figured out how to market to the right people and how to sell to the right people and get those jobs. And then all I did was duplicate that process. So our first year in business, you know, we were at 200 some thousand and then I maximized with one crew um, at 390,000 right around there. And then mm -hmm. I did the same thing with another crew and maximized with that crew at about the same. And then we subcontract some woodwork and do some extra tasks um, to kind of pad our, you know, to pad our, you know, our jobs a little bit. So uh, it, that's, that's, that's been, that's been what's worked, worked for us. I love that. Is there anything else you'd, you'd, uh, if you were looking back and talking to yourself, how, how long, three, four years ago, yeah, um, four years. what would you, what else would you give? I, I mean, like I said, I have that friend, um, real friend from college um, okay. that uh, is doing this business. So just kind of like anything else you'd say to yourself, if you're talking to yourself four years ago about how to do this well and go from yeah. 100. Yeah. To 1 so, so I, I didn't, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't a painter. And that helped me tremendously because okay. I didn't go in with the mindset that I have to paint to make money. I went in with the mindset that I have to hire painters to make money for me, but I did mm -hmm. paint with my guys. I learned yeah. the trade. Like I didn't just, you know, find people to do the work for six yeah. months. I was painting every day yeah. to make sure that people were communicating with customers the right way and doing all this stuff. So I mm -hmm. went through um, the struggle of what that actually looks like of doing yeah. everything, answering phones when you have a paintbrush in your hand getting paint on your phone and trying to text people. And it, it was, you know, it was, it was the grind. So I saw what that looked like. And, uh, you know, I don't really have any advice for myself in that regard because I didn't start off that way. But if I'm talking to your friend, let's say mm -hmm. your friend is listening to this and, you know, he wants to, he wants to expand his business. Ultimately, the only thing I would say is that, you know, your time is the most valuable asset you have. And right now, you may be making that money that you say that you're making and you're excited about it, but you're trading your time for it. Okay. And that is a bad bargain because you're trading an irreplaceable asset with a replaceable asset. What I do on a daily basis is I trade my money for time. I pay people to go do those jobs. I pay for leads. I pay to have time to be sitting at home doing light office work and spending time with my family. So I'm trading money for time. And when you make that shift, your life changes. Now, not everyone has that motivation. And I understand that. But ultimately, um, you know, to me personally, the benefits are all around. You're providing jobs for people uh, and you are growing your business faster than you would if you if if, you know, money was your only focus and you didn't mind trading it for time. Um, so to me, it's a win win all around. So that would be my advice to your friend. Awesome. That's that's beautiful, Tanner. And it was it was really great to chat with you. 
Um, if you had a call to action for folks that wanted to connect with you or, you know, if wanted to work with you or t chat with you, what would it be? Uh, well, I mean, I do, I, I put out a lot of information on Instagram. Um, the username is pretty simple. It's contractor coach. So that's awesome. it. One word. Um, and yeah, man, that, that's a, that's a great way to reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's the Hook Better Leads podcast and I'm Tim Brown. Our uh, handles are hookagency and hookagency.com to check us out. And uh, appreciate you. Tanner, real, real quick, what's the podcast, the name of your podcast so people can check that out? I'm going to be on uh, it uh, soon too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's called Contractor Secrets. So awesome. uh, it's sales, marketing and strategy. Awesome. And thank you everyone for listening and join us next week for another episode.